Hello and welcome to the Crying Burns Calories podcast. I'm your host, Katie Saltzman, personal trainer, nutrition coach, entrepreneur, creator, and expert in teaching women how to take back control of their health, their mindset, and their happiness. Most of you know me as a nutrition coach, but this podcast and this platform is going to be so much more. This is a place where I want to be able to talk about it all. Yes, of course, health and fitness, but also relationships, social media, adulting, hormones, just life. I want this podcast to cover all the ups and downs, and I want you to know that you're not alone. Ultimately, I'm here to give you the confidence to break through what's holding you back, to embrace who you fully are and show up authentically in life. Because life is messy. It's not perfect and it's not meant to be. So grab your wine, a drink, or if you're like me, that chocolate or that ice cream, because it's time to take our stories and the things we go through and make them our superpower. It's time to laugh, cry, learn, and understand that we are all in this together. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the Crying Burns Calories podcast. I am ultra excited for our next guest. Usually I bring on guests that I've like really connected with before, but this one I basically just stalked on Instagram for like three years now. She is from the Detroit area and her story is honestly just incredible. I also usually plan out podcast episodes of like what I'm going to ask, but I just got to know her a little bit before we hopped on. And I really just want to dive into her story, the pivots and transitions she made in life. Like she is such an inspiring woman. She's written 11 books. Fun fact, I just found this out. 11 books on Amazon. She's been sober eight and a half years. She's a CEO. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Ah, I'm so excited, especially like a fellow Midwest girl. Are you a hugger? Yes. Am I what? Are you a hugger? Oh, hell yeah. I hug yes. everybody. <laughs> I swear all most Midwest people are huggers and I, I just like, love it. Yeah. My just alley. over friendly over. Yeah. Touching everyone. Yes. <laughs> 100%. It's, it's a Midwest thing. It's how we grew up. Absolutely. Um, so tell everyone a little bit just about your story and how you came to be as far as like an author and you're obviously you're a CEO. You have how, how many businesses do you have? Um, like technically three. (laughs) My gosh. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So everything really started for me. Um, I did not see this path for myself up front. I will say that, um, everything really started for me around, I was working in the beauty industry. I started my first business, 24 Lux hair and makeup, which is on location bridal hair and makeup in 2013. Um, and then I got sober. I almost lost my life, got sober in 2015. Uh, and that's really what kind of flipped everything for me because I went into this whole world of self-work therapy, rediscovering who I was without alcohol as a crutch. Uh, and honestly, that's how I started writing because it just became something really therapeutic for me in my sobriety rather than throwing myself into like meetings or the gym, I just started writing literally like a psycho. I feel like it's the best way to put it. I was like a crazy person and that's how I got so much accomplished in such a short time. Um, but yeah, I went on to write books about sobriety and then, um, just different stages of my life, uh, female empowerment. I wrote a pregnancy book while I was pregnant most recently. 
but that just really spiraled me into a million other things. I have a podcast called Her Best Fucking Life, which I'm not super regular with, but I do have it. Um, I started my women's events, Her Best Fucking Brunch in the Detroit area, yes. uh, which have taken off and are so fun. And are, I, I love them so much. Uh, and then I also expanded my beauty business. I own 24 Lux Beauty Bar in the Down River area of Detroit as well. Um, but yeah, everything just kind of like piggybacked off each other. And now I just have all these things going on. Yeah. <laughs> and a what yeah. happens when you like actually heal yourself yes. and work through things? I feel like there's so many women that don't understand what it's like to not have coping mechanisms and to, yes. to actually like move through emotions so they can become who they're meant to be. I think there's a lot of women yes. going through lives just like checking things off a list, very robotic, and we're not actually living. Yes. And sobriety definitely kind of like threw that in my face and forced me to kind of like crawl through the mud and the shit and face, you know, the things I had been drinking away. And it's crazy. Like not even, it doesn't have to be sobriety, but I think just so many people like going through difficult seasons, difficult things and processing them and feeling them and moving through them and healing. It's so transformative of who we are in life that you don't even realize until you're like going through it. Yes. Why do you think so many women are scared to go through these big transitions and like let go of so much? I feel like we focus so much on what we're going to lose and we never yes. focus on the life that's in front of us. Like, yes, I lost a hell of a lot in the last five years of my life, but I also gained tenfold. A hundred percent. I feel the exact same way. And I think it's just, everybody's scared. You know, everybody, it's easier to hold on to what you have. It's more comfortable to not face the difficult things and to go through that. Obviously that's going to be a lot more difficult, but I think a lot of it is just fear of the unknown. You know, what, if what you lose is, you know, are you going to regret it? Are you going to get more by giving up what you have now? I always think of, and it's not even like, it doesn't need to be a super religious thing, but I always think of this uh, little image that goes around on social media where it's, I think it's like a little kid uh, holding like a small stuffed animal and it's Jesus, but I mean, it doesn't need to be Jesus to everyone, but he yeah. has like a larger stuffed animal behind him. And it's showing like the child being afraid to give up the small stuffed animal, not realizing like what he has in store for them if they give up on that, you know? Oh, that just gave me chills. I love that analogy. Yes. Are you somebody that is like, like cut and dry? Are you like, I'm going to go for it when you know you're going to make a life change? Or are you somebody that takes little steps along the way? No, I'm a pretty drastic, like impatient person. Like I'm balls to the wall if I'm going to do something. That's like when I got sober, like I got sober cold turkey. Like I ended up in the emergency room. Like the day I got out of the hospital, I was like, I'm not drinking anymore. And I never had another drop of alcohol. Like, wow. That's how things though. I'm like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Did you have a really big support system around you getting sober? No, not really. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause I, I didn't really have, like, I tried to live the same life for a while and just not drink, like still go to the bars with my friends and stuff. And like quickly learned that wasn't the best Throw idea. The water and lime. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but it was, it definitely like, once I got into like therapy and things like that more, it was definitely more helpful. Um, and sometimes I wonder if it would have been a little bit of a less rocky process, if I wouldn't have been so like cut throat, you know what I mean? Like, here we go. And actually like leaned on more or searched out more tools earlier on to help me through it. 
Yeah. You're like still holding on to that little bit of past life. Yeah. You're like, but it still could be fun. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like making memories. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Sure. I totally understand that. Well, I want to talk a little bit. I was going to have Sarah on, on the single series and we ended up closing that out. And I decided to do this episode separate, but the reason I was going to bring her on is because Sarah and I are both women that have been through divorces. And I think there's a lot of stigma around divorce for women. Um, for me, I felt, I mean, I come from a family where it's like, we didn't get divorced. It wasn't a thing. I was the first one in my family to go through it. So it was a big deal. And I was very lucky to have the support system of my family. But how did you feel when you were navigating it? Did you feel any sort of like judgment, shame, fear? Honestly, I think because I have made a lot of my life so public, Mm. I feel like I had more strangers on the internet cheering me on than anyone else, which was kind of funny. Um, my family, I will say was a huge support system for me though. They were there every step of the way. My friends, like I did have a really good support system with it. Uh, I think the circumstances of my divorce made me have a lot more support because it was kind of like a blindsided, not my fault type thing. So a lot of people were like, Oh my God, I can't believe this happened to you. Like, how can we help you? And, you know, so I did have a lot of help. I think the circumstances, like I said, helped. Um, I do know, like, I do personally know people that have gone through divorce where it's like, if something hasn't happened, sometimes I know some women take it a little less, they don't get as much support. It's a little more judged because it's like, well, why would you do that? Like they didn't do anything. Everyone always said to me, grass isn't always greener. Exactly. And like, (laughs) I know it's like, not that, Oh, like, thank God things happened in mine. And that's why, but I think it did give me a little more support because people were willing to rally with me because they saw that I had been hurt and done wrong. So it was, I definitely had a strong support circle. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is, is so important when you're navigating it. You had a different aspect to this divorce than I had. I had no kids and I can imagine that you have a daughter. With a kid, it has to throw in a completely different element of hard, especially I think with conversations, it was hard enough for me to navigate conversations with adults, let alone, I can't imagine if I had a kid involved, was that really hard for you to like hold it together and have these conversations and navigate them? Because I think that's what a lot of women fear is what is life going to look like? I I'm grateful that it happened with her as young as she is because she is two and a half, my daughter. And so I haven't had to actually have conversations with her. It was just more like, Oh, we're moving into a new place. Like you're going to have this room, like taking her to see her room, but she's not at the age where I think she can process or understand us ever being together which sometimes I think is like, is it a blessing or is it a curse? Because I'm like, she won't remember it. It's not going to be like a a huge change, but is it going to make her have more questions down the road when she realizes, oh, some people's parents are together. Why weren't my parents never together? Just because she won't remember it. Yeah. So I think it's a conversation I'm going to have to navigate one day when she starts to put pieces together more. So I haven't had to yet because she is so young. Um, but the emotional aspect of a divorce with a child is insane because it's, you obviously have to keep connected with this person because you share a child. So it's not like you can just cut ties and be like, well, we're divorced Bye. like, yeah, I'm essentially linked to this person forever. 
which I would prefer not to be, but I don't have that choice to make. Yes. Um, so it definitely makes it hard. And I think the messiest part and the most difficult part for me, which really like emotionally and mentally has been heavier than even all the betrayal, the deceit, the hurt, uh, all of that is feeling like someone doesn't take what I want for my child into consideration because there's a lot of gray area legally where you can't do anything about what the other person's doing, which as a mother, like I, my heart goes out to everyone now that I'm going through it because I'm like, I can't even like, there's times I want to just bash my head into a wall. I'm like, but this is my child. Like I'm telling you what I want for my child and no one's listening to me. And it's like, how could that be? when you're the mother of the child and it happens all the time. It has to feel like it's completely out of your control and like all is in your controls when she is with you. Yep. It's, it's so helpless. Like I've told people, I've literally had mental breakdowns worse surrounding decisions and things that happened with her than I even was about my marriage ending because like, that's your, your everything. That's your world. And that's your baby. Yeah. There have been times that like, I like a scene out of a movie, like having a mental breakdown, like crying on my kitchen floor because I'm on the phone begging, sobbing, like, please listen to me. Like, this is not what's best for our child. Why can't you put her above these other things and think about her first? And someone just basically says, no, like I'm doing what I want to do. And it makes you want to be like, I feel like I could go insane because it's just like, it's, it's literally the most insane, like, mind warping thing to just be like begging for someone to consider your wishes for your child. Yeah. There's no nervous, nervous system regulation at that point. Everything's out. No, it's just protection. You're like a mama bear. Oh yeah. You're like in survival mode. Like you're crazy. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you, and I'm like genuinely curious because I know for everyone, it's going to be different is like, you are very forward facing to clients all the time, right? You're in front of clients, you're on social media, you're doing events, you're an author, but there is an element, one of protection of your life, but also protection of your emotions. Like how do you show up when you're not okay? When like, I, I remember the days where I was like ugly crying on the kitchen floor and I couldn't even get up. And then there are some days where I would like peel myself off the kitchen floor and then show up on social media with a smile. Now I wish I would have been a little bit more vulnerable through those situations. But like, where do you find your balance between like showing up for other people, but also like yeah. honoring that you're not okay? Um. So I have been more respectful than I probably even should have been during this as far as airing details, like talking about what actually happened. A lot of people don't even know the circumstances because only I I have a child. I don't want her to, you know, see something or people are like, why don't you write a divorce book? And I'm like, I don't want her to be able to read all of these things one day. You know what I mean? Like I want to be able to like control that with her. So I've, I've treaded lightly in certain areas with what I share. Um, I feel I have been extremely vulnerable times where I've even questioned if it was like sharing too much of my emotion Yeah. Um, and being like, should I be showing up on here like sad every day and talking about it? Like, are people getting sick of this? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, this is what I'm going through. Um, It's yeah, it's wild. I, it was funny because 
when everything, when I found everything that led to the divorce and I was obviously like a basket case for like a week, I didn't show my face on Instagram stories for like a week. And if you follow me, like anyone that follows me, know I am on there every single day in my pajamas. Like I, Insta story all the time. Like I share so much of my life that people, like it was funny because people were literally like messaging me, like, what is going on? You literally haven't been on stories all week. Like, like people knew something was wrong yeah. immediately because it was like, you're not showing your face. Like what's going on? Like, and it was crazy because like, I, I didn't want to like share it yet, but I had to show up and just be like, I can't hide yeah. this. Like I was a disaster. <laughs> I, I found, I get it. I found that so tough. It was like navigating, yeah. wanting to be vulnerable and open with your audience and community because you build this like family, like friendship with them. So you want to be open, honest, and vulnerable. You want to create this, like, come with me on this journey. But -hmm. then you also like, for me, I'm like, I don't want to trauma dump on my audience every single day, Exactly. but like, I'm not okay. Yeah. I've tried to not do it like too much where I'm like, Oh my God. But it's, yeah, it's been interesting because then, you know, I, I'm trying to like share things and so many people reach out, like, thank you so much for being so vulnerable. Like I'm going through something similar, which I'm like, okay, this is why, this is why you do it. Like, this is why we share it. And then at the same time though, it's like, I've got people screen recording and sending everything to someone else to show them what I'm saying and what I'm talking about. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> you're navigating so much. Right. Yeah, I get it. But one thing I realized is that being vulnerable in these situations does help people. And I think there are ways where we can do it, where we're still protecting ourselves. And I think you do this really well, where you're still being open, honest, vulnerable, but you're also protecting your peace. But -hmm. when I hit record on this podcast on crying burns calories, I was literally getting ready to drive across the country to a city where I didn't know anyone. I had left a marriage. Nobody had known about that situation because again, I just like kept it and put a smile on my face. And when I hit record, my first four episodes really dove into it and it was wild. I thought people were going to think less of me for Mm -hmm. telling the messy, but it actually created so much more human connection in the community I have now. Yes, absolutely. That's kind of like I was saying, like, I have people messaging me every people I don't even know. And they're like, you're, you're handling this like a badass, like you're doing so great. Like, and it sounds so silly that like, you know, hearing that from people can be so empowering and motivating to like push you to keep going through it and being like, I am doing great. Like when you think you're just getting through the day and people are like, you're doing such an amazing job. I'm like, no, I am doing an amazing job. (laughs) You're like, thank you. Thanks. A little pat on the back. Right. What would you say to women? I know that there are a lot of women in this community listening that feel like they maybe need to make a transition in their life. And this might be in a relationship, like maybe it is divorce, maybe it's not. I mean, I'm never going to be somebody that's like, hey, divorce is the easier out and every, by any means. But maybe they're wanting to make a transition in their relationship, or maybe they're wanting to get sober. Maybe they're wanting to start a business, but they're so scared to do it. And they feel like they're too far behind in life. What would you tell them? I, if this has shown me anything, it's that like, you just have to jump and do it. Like I literally started out this year. I had no idea this was happening. Like if you would have told me in January, like I would be here right now. <laughs> like no way. This is no, not what like, Q4 was supposed to look no, like. No, <laughs> this was not 2023. Uh, 
but it's, it's crazy because I kind of, like you said, like I, I found every, I discovered it. I was like, okay, we're doing this. And I just, you kind of go into survival mode in a bit. And I, it was like, okay, what needs to happen first? What needs to happen next? And I just started like, you know, going through like the moves and the steps to start moving. But I think you really just need to jump. Like, I don't think if you keep one foot out, you know, it, it just, it doesn't work. Like you've got to jump if you're going to do something and you've got to go head on if you're really going to make a change or a transition in your life and wholeheartedly put your whole self into it. Yes. I'm a big proof of concept person where I want to know something is going to work before I do yes. it. I've learned to like completely break that down the last three years, but that's always how I've worked. And one thing yeah. I like to tell women is if, if you're a proof of concept, like a little bit type A, you want to know the outcome. We know one outcome isn't working and that's the current life that we're living or the current mm -hmm. life that you just left. We know that proof of concept is that isn't for you. So the only option is like just starting to take action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Like yeah, you have even to though it's like so go for it. scary. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about events. How did you start to get into events <laughs> for women and like, what are they about? Yeah. So I kind of want to come to the next one. I, girl. Yeah. You can be there. Uh, so I do the harass fucking brunch events and they started out, they were small little events. It was like 30 people. And I just wanted to do something in person. Like I had done so much with podcasts and I used to do YouTube when I first got sober and talk about sobriety on YouTube. And I felt like I always had this like little audience, you know, communicating and connecting on things. And it was like, I really wish I could do something like this in person. And so I remember I hosted like my first event at this little venue in the Detroit suburbs. We had 30 people. There was like balloons and donuts and it was like so cute, but it sold out. And I was like, holy shit, like this. Okay. So then I like, I had another one. They had another one and then I expanded this. it. I know. Then I, and they would all sell out and people would come and like women would literally be like, we'd go around the room and introduce ourselves and people would be, start like crying and like sharing what was going on in their life. And like, it became such a different thing than I originally thought it was going to like, I thought it was just going to be like fun networking, but it became so much like deeper and like more charged than I ever imagined. And so then I expanded it into the bigger one day events and it's been literally nothing short of amazing. Like they are my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I love them so much. And we just bring together. There's always like several speakers. Everybody has like an inspiring or empowering message that they share. Um, we have local small businesses that everyone can come shop. There's food, there's uh, photo ops. Like it's just such a fun day. Like it's literally just an excuse to like dress cute with your girlfriends, get inspired, get uplifted, connect with people. And I just, there used to not be anything like that very often in the Detroit area. So I was like, we have to do this. <laughs> there really isn't, honestly. I mean, I wish I would have gone to them when I lived in Detroit. Moving to Denver, mm -hmm. I've really like been built a network here that feels way more like community, event-based, women growth-based. Yes. Like that really didn't exist in the Detroit area for a really long time. And it's so important. I don't think women realize how much we need connection. We need to feel seen and heard and validated. And these are really important rooms to do it in because I don't know about you, but since COVID, I know there's so many women that just stay at home all the time. We've yeah. gotten into these habits of like not getting out of our comfort zone and not putting ourselves in these rooms, which is why I think when women get in them, they're like overwhelmed with emotion. 
Yes. Yeah. I know COVID kind of screwed us all for a little bit, but I'm really excited to see everything kind of like coming back. Yeah. Like I did my first one day event, uh, at, in the fall of this year. And it was amazing though. Cause I hadn't done one since before I had the baby because then COVID happened and everything. And it was kind of like this, like comeback event of the brunches. And even for me, like going through this season of my life and sharing that with everyone and talking about it and it just like lit me on fire. I was like, I'm so glad we're getting back to things like this again and bringing women together more. Yes. What a cool representation too, that you get to lead for your daughter now that like she can literally do anything she wants, anything she's, she's capable of. Oh my God. She's doomed. Like I'm going to be the most motivating mother. Like she's doomed. Like, she's going to be like, mom, shut up. I love it. She's going to have, she's going to have 15 books and like six businesses. Right. Like you got some standards to live up to. Yes. Well, I know we chatted a little bit before and you said you might do an event in February. So I told her if she does, I know I have a lot of Midwest girls in here. So we'll put the info below if she um, ends up doing a brunch. Outside of that though, where can women find you? Find your books, connect with you? Like what are your biggest platforms for them to just be in your world? Yeah. So my website is sarahordo.com. All of my books are on Amazon. Most of them are on Kindle and I have several on Audible now as well. Um, and then my business 24 Lux beauty bar and 24 Lux hair and makeup are all in the Detroit area. And then the, her best fucking brunch events are local. That's always at her best fucking brunch.com. And my podcast is on Apple, Spotify, everywhere. It's called her best fucking life. And I think that's all my things. I think are we that's it. podcasting soon. <laughs> Maybe I, I podcasted here and there through the divorce, just as like an emotional outlet. And I'm like, again, like people are always like, I listened to the episode and I'm like, I didn't think anyone was even going to listen. <laughs> I know. Isn't it so wild? We might get, maybe we'll get back to podcasting more. <laughs> I hit record in this podcast and was like, my mom and my friends are going to listen. Right. Right. And it's amazing how many people listen. Oh, it is. Well, thank you so much for coming on and just being an inspiration for women that literally anything is possible, no matter where you are at in life or what you're pivoting in. Like a season of transition and leaning into that is actually the most beautiful thing. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yes. so glad to come and talk and chat on all the things. Yes. If you vibe with this episode, I would love to hear from you. You know what Crying Burns Calories, we are all about community and connection and just changing the conversation about life for women. So if this episode was helpful for you, I would love if you could tag me, share it on your Instagram stories so I can thank you and also so we can just continue to get the message out and growing this amazing community.